0: Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Well, we gotta give praise and honor to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, so Jesus. So 10 second praise break, come on. One, two, three, four five six seven eight nine ten all right give someone a high five sit down sit down sit down oh my gosh oh and how great was worship this morning come on can we get over takeover worship wow just appreciate them so much laying down their gifts um this is a this is an ocd thing right there there we go okay this is a little not straight it bothered me for a second Man, it's been an incredible morning already and I am torn up from the floor up. I'm going to be honest, um, it, was, it was a really hard fought battle for me this morning to get face to face with Jesus. There's just, there's just times where he makes you work a little extra for it and I'm grateful that he does because it's in those moments where I learn I don't take him for granted. I don't take church for granted. I don't take an atmosphere like this for granted. Instead, if I want to meet with him, sometimes he's like, come a little further. Come a little closer. Dig a little deeper. Come on. Come on. I'm not going to make it so easy this week to pierce the veil. Come and get higher with me, you know. And I'm really grateful for this Jesus because he's here. He's alive. He's active. He's sharper than any double-edged sword, able to pierce between soul and spirit, blood and marrow. Come on. This is who our God is. Amen. He's here. Are you grateful that he's here? Are you grateful that you get to be here with him? I got to tell you, there's, uh, there's just a season that we're in as a church, and, and we're going to continue our stewardship of the prophetic word over our church for 2023 today as fire upon the earth coming out of Luke 12, 49 through 50. And Jesus, he gave us his mission statement. He said, I came, I have a baptism, and I cannot wait to baptize my people, and I would already if they were kindled, but I would baptize them in fire. And we know that Jesus came so that he could set a people ablaze, a body ablaze, a bride ablaze for himself in the earth worthy of his return. Amen? And so for us, we, we decided that once we heard that, we answered the call. Lord, we'll, we'll give you 365 days of pursuit of burning, of pursuit, reckless, relentless abandonment to the pursuit of matching our bridegroom Jesus Fahrenheit for Fahrenheit, Celsius for Celsius. Amen? It's who we are. The second, the second he begins to open your eyes up and you realize this whole thing about him, church, relationship, all these things, it's, it's not about what you and I get. It's about what we can give him. Amen? It's not about what we get out of this. It's about what we can give him because we've already gotten everything there is to get. We got him. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Oh, no, I thought church was about me finding a spouse. You did. His name's Jesus. Praise God. I thought spouse was about me getting financial provision. You did. He's the king. Praise God. I thought it was about me getting good health. You did. He is literally the land that was slain before the foundation there so you and I could receive healing. You did. Praise God. This thing, it's got to be the pursuit of the one thing. And I am, more, I am more convinced of that today than when we started this pursuit in January. I am more convinced today that this is about him and him alone. And the less of you and I that we can bring with us to church. I mean, feel, feel free to come however you are. I understand that. But know and have the intentionality within yourself to come and say, Lord, rid me of myself. I belong to you. I desire you. I want you. You are literally my one thing in this life. And I'm telling you, he rewards that kind of pursuit with madness. <laughs> he rewards that kind of pursuit with insanity. He rewards that kind of pursuit with a peculiar nature. But dang it, you will be set apart. You will be set ablaze. And the, lo- the world will look to you for hope. And heaven will shine upon you. Amen. That's who we want to be. So I came today because I'm full. And I'm ready to pour out in front of you. And I'm so grateful that he made me work so hard to see him face to face today. Any invitation from the Lord is worthy. It's worthy of being answered. Any invitation. If the Lord thinks enough of you to ask you to do something, to meet with Him, to set apart time with Him, to see Him rightly, it's worth it. Even at your inconvenience, even at your own discomfort, I am telling you, friends, if you hear an invitation of the Lord, and He says, come Get close to me you are a fool if you do not honor that with a yes and amen because I'm telling you he will unravel you and he will remake you reshape you and remold you back into his image and likeness something that is kindled ready to burn amen oh okay 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 week 43 of fire upon the earth are you ready are you ready? Where's my note takers at? Come on, somebody. Yes. Where's my B I B L E people at? Come on, somebody. Oh, so you got a big Bible back there. You got another. Oh, big Bibles. I love big Bibles and I cannot lie. Are you other brother. <laughs> anyways. Uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Sweet Jesus, there's no recovery. Worship team, come back up. We're good. <laughs> We're good. Said everything you need to say. And then some. Title of my sermon this morning. His abiding in the fire, abiding in the fire, abiding in the fire. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I did not want to preach this scripture today. I didn't want to preach this scripture for like ever. (laughs) I love this scripture. I love this portion of scripture. I love the book of John. This is one of my favorite portions of scripture of all time. But the reason I didn't want to preach it is because I was like, Lord, I feel like I have squeezed everything that you tried to say in this moment out of it. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, uh, apparently you're not convinced of that. So we're going to take another fresh pair of eyes at this. And uh, what I love is this. I really felt the Lord release me. I felt like he was like, hey, you know you're not an entertainer, right? And I was like, well, yeah, no, I'm a worshiper. He's like, right. But you know you're not an entertainer? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a a preacher. I'm a pastor. I, I get that. And he goes, no, no, you understand. You're not an entertainer. He said, if I don't change the subject, you don't change the subject. You're a servant, not an entertainer. And he's like, so if I have you preach the same portion of scripture forever, I expect you to do it with a grateful heart. He said, you're not there to entertain these people. You're there to feed my sheep. I say to you what I said to Peter, Matt, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. And you will feed my sheep what I've asked you to feed them. And so I guess we're going back to the book of John. I guess we're going back to John 15. I guess we're going back to John 15, 1 through 17. So we're going to go and we're going to dig in because the Lord says, I've got more to do here. And I love it because it's one of my favorite portions of Scripture. It truly is. And I, I'm madly in love with this portion. But I just, what he began to open my eyes to, I was like, yes, yes, yes. How, how dumb, how dumb of me. <laughs> oh, honestly, I just, I, uh. I want to go into different realms, different places, and I want to seek him out. And he's like, no, 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 I told you to, to show people how to love me more. Can we just stay on subject, please? And I was like, whatever you want, King. Yes. <laughs> whatever you want, Lord. Yes. I don't want to change the subject. I don't want to speak on something I'm not hearing him speak on. Amen? So if it sounds familiar, let's, w- let's wash ourselves the familiarity, and let's look at it with a fresh pair of eyes, and let's dig again this well. Amen? All right, John 15. I'm going to crack open my actual B-I-B-L-E. I I don't know if I'll ever use my iPad again. I don't (laughs) know. John 15, here we go. 1 through 17. It'll be up on the Sky Bible because Miss Jen and Mr. Kenny are holding it down in the booth for us. Come on. K and J, Team Extreme, we love you. All right. Team Extreme, who is this guy? All right, John 15, here we go. I am the true vine. I just feel like demons shudder when you hear a bible turn in church. That you bear much fruit and so to prove to be my disciples as the father has loved me so I have loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things i have spoken to you that you may be that they may, that, that that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command, so that you will love one another. We're going to pray, and we're going to see what the Lord has. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, I ask right now that you would come That you would move all the more, even here, even now, Lord. Right now, Jesus, I just, I, I model myself after you, God. Before I pray, I just want to lift my eyes. I want to lift my eyes to heaven and I want to see you. I want to see what you're doing. I want to hear what you're saying. God, I want to know you like Jesus knows you. So Holy Spirit, help me today. Take me by the hand, God. We just proclaim that no one came here to hear what the great Pastor Matt has to say. No, Lord, we all came here, including Pastor Matt, to hear what you have to say. Lord, we're here for no other reason. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here, God, for another great religious act or service, God. No, today we came to come face to face with the one who has eyes of fire, hair white as wool, to hear the voice that sounds like many waters, God. Today, Lord, we came to look upon your face, So Father, let us see you rightly. Let us see you rightly. Holy Spirit, just begin to disturb the mixture in the room. Father, whatever the mixture is that I'm sensing, disturb it. Begin to point it out in us, God. From me on down, whatever the mixture is, Point it out, Lord, let us, let us empty this broken cistern today of any mixture, God, and may we leave no longer broken, but healed and restored and redeemed and better than we ever thought possible, God, and filled with the one that makes all things possible. So Holy Spirit, come. Take over this moment. Take over the service. Take over our lives. By the grace of God, by the time we're all done on this side of heaven, May you have taken over an entire region for yourself. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said, amen. Abide in the fire. Abide in the fire. Abide in the fire. Now, disclaimer real quick. The fire I'm not talking about is the one that he says will be, you know, the branches that don't bear any fruit. He's going to gather up and throw into the fire, okay? That's not, we're all going to hell. That's not what's happening right now, okay? So let's just... Clarify that real quick. When the Lord told me this is what I want you to call it, this is where I want you to go. I said, "Okay, that's a bit confusing." He said, "Not if you are a pastor and you just communicate that." And I was like, "Okay, you're right. Solid point." I have been checkmated over and over again in this conversation. <laughs> Abide in the fire. See, I, I've been disturbed in the season, and I think we've talked about this. And some of you are like, "Yeah, Pastor May, I've been disturbed for a long time." I have, but I've been disturbed in the season because. I left this amazing prayer retreat with some fellow pastors in our network of churches, the Radiant Network. And last week I shared a little bit of that. And really, like, I just began to be stirred up for the fact that we have, we have preached God so loves the world for so long. But we haven't turned that verse inverse. We haven't turned that inward. We haven't looked at the church and has asked the question, does the church so love God? Does the church so love God that we would give our only begotten lives to see the world saved, to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Like, does the church have an appropriate response to the love of God? And by appropriate response, I mean do we love him to the same or greater equal measure that he loves us now? There's going to be a religious spirit in all of us that rises up and goes, Pastor Matt, how could we possibly love God as much as he possibly loves us? He's inexhaustible, don't you know? I would agree with that. That's great theology. At the same time, I don't want to settle for the excuse that I could never love God as much as he loves me. I want to pursue him with every ounce of me that I have. I want to rival his love with my love. I want to rival his sacrifice with my sacrifice. I want to rival his life with my life. I want to give unto him everything he's given to me. And we're going to sit here and we're going to talk ourselves out of this and say that's impossible. And so all of a sudden, because we think something's impossible, we aim for something so much less. But I'm telling you, by the way, I love babies running around in church. This is amazing to dream but i'm telling you when we begin to see him rightly when we begin to understand this isn't just another religion this isn't just another uh social club or dynamic that we take part in it's not just because we're conservatives that we're christians or we're christians because we're conservatives and we're raised in west michigan and we're in the midwest so we're not as crazy as those in california like it's none of these cultural things Friends, we've been saved from eternal, not just damnation in hell, but separation from the one we were created in the very image of. We've been reconciled to God the Father. This goes beyond religion. This is how sons and daughters love a father back. This is how do we have an appropriate response to him. We pour out our lives just as he poured out his. Anything short of that is is an abuse of grace, is an abuse of mercy, is, is taking for granted the very things. And I'm telling you, now is the time. Now is the hour. We start seeing just how dark this world gets. We start seeing how so much of revelation begins to play out in front of us. All of a sudden, we're starting to see how insane the world actually is and the internet, as terrible as it is, has connected us in such a way. That all of a sudden it's no longer just wars and rumors of wars as we see in the book of Revelation, but it's on tape, it's on film, it's everywhere. We're seeing it, it's being shared and tweeted and X and all those things. And so we're in a time and a place, friends, where we don't take our foot off the gas and we just go, well, it's all going to hell anyways. We might as well just you know, keep it in our little four corners of the world and worship where we're at. No, no, now's the hour to love God more. Now's the hour to love God more because friends, I want to tell you, the more we love God, the more we will love this broken world. How could we not? It's what he did. See, I love the book of John and I love John especially. He is probably my favorite person in history, i to be honest. It's like John's like the guy I want to be like and unfortunately, I'm more often like Paul when I don't want to be. I'm more like Peter when I shouldn't be but John's like the guy I want to be like. Okay. And John, when he's writing this book, and he's writing this, this is before he goes to heaven in Revelations, before he's uh, boiled in oil in, in the Roman Coliseum, it's before all of these things take place, about 30 years after Christ walks the earth, and, and John, his most prolific verse is what? Christians, where are you at? John 3.16. There we go. I'm like, wait. Lord, we need you come back uh, to this church. Um, John 3.16, right? We all, we all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever shall believe in him in his mouth shall be saved, right? Like we all, we all understand this verse. Okay, I love John 3.16. We have done John 3.16 the greatest disservice. The word world is a Greek word, cosmon. It's part of where we get the word cosmos from in English. But it means cosmon. Cosmon doesn't mean great, big, beautiful world. Great, big, blue world. Now, whether you think it's round or think it's flat, I could really care less. My pastor doesn't affirm flat earth or a round earth? No, I affirm a burning earth, okay? So one day, he's gonna burn it and create a new one. That's what I affirm, amen? I'm excited about that day. I could care less about the other arguments, all right? But when he uses this word world, It doesn't mean great big blue ball. It doesn't mean great big big, beautiful world. It doesn't mean any of these things. It literally means, are you here? You ready for this? Chaos. It means the worst place. It means chaotic world. When John is writing his letter to his church that is full of both Jews and Greeks He is letting them know God so loved the single most chaotic and worst place in all of existence that he sent Jesus. We could rest on that the rest of the day because the ramifications, the implications of that sentence are astronomical, are endless, are exhaustive. That is an insane premise to think about. God so loved the single worst place with the worst people in the worst times, doing the worst things, it's chaos, it's a mess. And he so loved that chaos and that mess and those people in that worst place that he sent his best. See what I love about John is John is extreme. See, John isn't really interested in conversating. John isn't really interested in having a conversation. Like, what do you believe about Jesus? Here's what I believe about Jesus. No, no, no. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He is his best friend. He is his first cousin. He grew up with him, and he served him faithfully unto being literally boiled in oil and ascending to heaven and being literally put on a prison colony by himself. John is faithful. John is radical, and John does not have time conversations about who Jesus is his entire goal was to fight Judaizers which were trying to elevate um, Jewish traditions into the word of God and over the word of God saying yeah Jesus did this he's the fulfiller but also we still need to do this and John was like nah nah he fulfilled the law he is the festival he is the feast he is it all it's Jesus that we worship and then he had a bunch of Gnostics and you don't know what Gnostics are they're just like Greek philosophers who suck and they were in his church and they were trying to tell him basically some whack form of Buddhism at the time. And they were like, if you just get to the end of yourself, end yourself, you just need to end yourself and like end yourself. And he's like, listen, 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 that's where John three uh, uh, 3.30 comes along. Less of me. Yes, I affirm that. But more of him. It's not enough to be less of you. You need to be more of him. It's not enough to get to the end of you. You need to get to an attempt to be at the end of him. Like there is more here. Everything we do isn't to just be less than, it is to be unto something. And that something is someone. And so John, he's contending with a wild place and a wild time. And he is making it a point, I'm not interested in conversation, I'm interested in conclusions. I'm not interested in giving you an option, I give you ultimatums. Choose today whom you will serve. And it's amazing and so when John, all of a sudden, he, he's living in this world much like you and I, where we've made a religion out of Christianity, and there's all these ways and all these things that we think and we've done that we attempt to get ourselves to God, and yet while we've constructed very beautiful places and really great programs and we've discipled people to a place of uh, at least not cheating on their spouse, praise God, we've discipled them to a place, but we haven't taught them how to ascend. We haven't taught them how to live lives that Jesus can breathe upon. We haven't taught them how to go into Costco and lay hands on people. We've made a moral palace with moral TED Talks that are an hour and 15 minutes because that's all our God is worthy of. And then we've allowed the Gnosticism into the church. where We've allowed all these other practices to come involved in and we've taken the best from the Middle East and all of a sudden these things are, well, we do this here, or we do this there, and we do this at this time because of this result, and all of a sudden we're looking at the church and at large we are, very few of us united around the name of Jesus <laughs> because we can't even agree on who the man was. Very few of us are united on who the Father is because we don't know anything about Him. And very, very few of us have any idea what to do with the Holy Spirit because specifically in the West, because we don't know how to control Him, we simply don't talk about Him. And so all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a time and a place, much like John, where his letters, his teaching, his life is more valuable to you and I than we'll ever even know. I love John. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He is his first cousin. And unlike Jesus' own brother, James, who didn't even believe Jesus was the Messiah until he came back and had literally... Scars in his hands and his feet. James needed to see that his brother was raised from the dead in order to believe that he was ever God. He didn't follow him until he had already been raised from the dead. But his first cousin, John, he grew up with him, faithfully followed, faithfully served him, faithfully stood for him. John is known as the disciple whom Jesus loves. And one of my favorite parts about the book of John, is that John isn't interested in the things that everyone else is interested in. His entire book is theology, it's rich, and I know we're in a world where it's like, why does theology matter? Because knowing God matters. You can worship him all you'd like, but you can worship him and never know him. Jesus says many will do many things in my name. Some will cast out demons even. Some will heal the blind even. Some will raise the dead even. And I will say to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. I'm interested in a church that knows him. And by church, I don't mean Pastor Matt, Pastor (laughs) Adrian. By church, I don't mean our leadership staff. I mean from the young to the old, friends. I have dreams of children singing and prophesying on this stage mid-worship, mid-service, bringing it. Because out of the mouth of babes, baby, I believe that God is going to break open that if the old won't worship me, the youth certainly will. If the old won't have faith for things, the youth certainly will. And we see that right now. He is raising up a hungry generation But that hunger in that generation must come with a desire and a thirst to know him. Experiences will come and experiences will be great. Experiences will end. Will your relationship conclude with an hour mark? Will your relationship conclude with an altar call? Will your relationship end until the next Wednesday, the next Friday, the next Sunday? Or will we be a people who, like John, are committed to knowing him? I know this is heavy, but we've gotta know him. The pressure cooker is on and now is the time my friends now is the time where we set all the religious games aside it's not about that it's about a person it's not about services it's about a person it's not about what you like or they like or she likes or he likes or whoever likes it's about a person and while everyone else is doing everything else will there be a people in the Midwest that say, we want to know him. I don't want to know about you, I want to know you. I don't want to sing about you, I want to sing to you. I don't want to preach about you, I want to preach to you. Which sounds wild, but he offers it to us. <laughs> it's all unto him. And John understood that. And what's wild to me, friends is when he starts off John 15 and he says, Jesus is the vine. You see, in the book of John, we see great eight I am's from Jesus. It's the only book and it's the only one. The book of John is 90% unique. What does that mean? It means literally Mark was written first by Peter and John Mark and he's a bit of a bum for a while, but it's okay. We find out he has a glorious ending in the book of Colossians, right? Right? And then Matthew has about 90% of Mark. Luke has about 75% of Mark. But they all are kind of synoptic. They're all similar. They're all around the same storyline because one received the letter, had the call. One received the letter, had the call. One had received the letter, had the call to write down what Jesus did in the earth for his church, for his time, for his people, for that place. John, on the other hand, is 90% unique, which means only 10% of his entire letter has anything else that everybody else wrote about. And that means he has 90% unique stories. And part of that is the eight great I am's. And the first, not the first one, but the one that we're gonna focus in on today is he says, I am the vine. I am the vine. See, this is crazy because I think When Jesus started teaching and we see great teachings in here. And Jesus really gives us an inside look into who he is. His relationship with the father. His relationship with the disciples. What that all means for us. And John was obsessed with that. Because in order to understand Jesus, we have to understand the father. And understand the father, we have to understand Jesus. Understand Jesus, we have to understand the spirit. Understand the spirit, we have to understand Jesus. And it's this relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And then you and I, as we see in John 17, are invited up into that. And this is the beginning of that beautiful message where John is laying out to his church just what Jesus said. And Jesus says, I am the vine. We have a lot of pictures of Jesus, but not many of us picture him as a vine. <laughs> right? Right? We see that and we're going, what does that even mean? <laughs> I am the vine. My father's the vine dresser. Okay, I get that. I get that. He's, he's the owner of the vineyard. He runs the vineyard. The vineyard then is built around what? The sun, the vines. That's what everyone's in a vineyard for is the vines because the vines what? Produce the fruit. Are you seeing how he's beginning to lay this out? We can begin to understand Jesus is what it's all about. Jesus is the personification. The vine is the personification of the vineyard. The vineyard is what? The vine dresser's great work. We understand this. I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. You are the branches. What does that mean? We're the offshoot. We're the offshoot. We're the offspring. We're the ones that can be grafted in. We're the ones that we can be pruned out. We're the ones that can be taken out. What's interesting about you and I being the branches is we can be as much a part of this great vineyard as we want to be, or we can literally be completely unassociated with this vineyard as we want to be. We can be grafted in. We can be sown in. We can be a part. And because of that, we'll see what fruit be bore, all these things come to pass, fruition. We will be of use and of service. We will be a part of his great plan, his great vineyard, his great uh, plan for the earth. Or we can not be. And so I love that Jesus starts us off by saying, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. See, all of a sudden, when that language, we begin to understand, no, 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 God is at work. God is building something. He has an edifice. He has a masterpiece. He has something glorious that he's building. And in his glory should be good fruit because his fruit has use. It's called new wine. He's coming to produce something that we've never tasted, that we've never seen, that we've never heard. He's doing a new thing. All the ways that we think things should work in this crazy, chaotic, worst place world, he is creating a vineyard for himself. And in that, everything has a place. Everything has a produce. Everything has fruit. Everything has a purpose. And then he goes on to say, Father is the vine dresser. And he will prune that which produces fruit or he will clip off and throw away that which doesn't. See, this is insane to me because there's an option here. There's an option here. That means you and I, we can be open to receiving this pruning. We can be open to receiving the growth and the fruit. We can be open to receiving, to being used by God in a great and powerful way. And if we're not, the ramifications of that are literally being tossed up, bundled up, and put into a fire. Not the fire we're talking about today. The reason I'm spending so much time on this is we've got to understand, Jesus here isn't speaking to the world he's not speaking to jerusalem he's not speaking to israel he's not speaking to onlookers and fly buyers and passer goers this is literally a message to his church to his disciples to his guys what does that mean this means he's talking about christians That should put some steel in your spine and that should also cause you to approach him in fear and trembling. Because all of a sudden you realize this isn't a salvation message and this isn't an altar call moment. He is not an invitation for the lost to be found and then be a part. It's an invitation for the found to be a part and if the found no longer wish to be a part, my father can take care of that. Now I don't believe a Christian can quote unquote lose their salvation because the Bible doesn't say that. But the Bible does, however, make it very clear that we can forfeit said salvation. Both Paul, both Peter, and both Jesus in this moment speaking to Christians says those that bear fruit He will prune so that they can bear even more fruit. And those that do not wish to bear fruit, well, he will bundle them up and throw them out. This is massive for you and I, but it's also an invitation. The implications are huge, but chief among them is realizing this is an invitation, friends, for you and I to be a part of his grand plan, his great narrative that he is writing in the earth. That you and I, we actually have the opportunity to abide in the fire. What does that mean? To be a part of his plan. To abide in his presence. See, here we go, friends. So many in the church today. What do we want? We want gifts. We want prominence. We want fame. We want notoriety. So many Christians today. We're starting our own ministries and our own Instagrams and our own this and our own that. And everything that we love about Jesus is suddenly being used as a promotional tool and instrument and vehicle for you and I. All of a sudden, we're not abiding so that we can be useful. We're abiding so that he can be useful. And this is symptomatic in the church today. We don't abide... (laughs) So that we can be useful. We begin abiding so that he becomes useful. And all of a sudden we start thinking ourselves more the vine dresser than the branches. We start thinking ourselves more useful. Oh, if I could just get my platform built, my ministry built, my launching pad, my business, whatever, my Instagram, my social media. If I could just get my whatever it is off, launched, big, boom, boom. Well, then I can use it to point back to Jesus. And all of a sudden, we want to abide for the gifts while he longs for us to abide for his presence. You see, this is symptomatic in the church today because so many of us, we're willing to abide as long as it produces in our lives and he is looking for us to abide so he can produce himself in our lives. We've gotten it backwards for so long. And maybe I'm not talking about you today. Maybe I'm talking about the person to your left. I don't know. But what I am talking about is the great fear here, friends. The purpose of the branch is to produce fruit for the vine. The purpose of the vine is not to produce fruit for the branch. Well, Pastor Matt, won't those at some point equal out to being the same thing yes but it's all about pursuit it's all about abiding it's all about understanding why you are here why you are there what you are there to be a part of what your functionality is you and me alike listen friends I'm not talking as someone who hasn't done his fair share of I'm gonna build Matt McClure and then I'm gonna give Jesus a little bit of credit okay because I sure have And I will stand before him one day for that very thing. And if I can spare you that moment of standing before him, realizing how much you you sought after that was selfish, instead of just longing to be used by the king, I am telling you, it is the servants that are exalted in heaven, not the selfish. It's the servant. See, so many of us, we, we long for him to produce in our lives and he's longing to have his presence in our lives. We want his gifts and he says, I just want to be with you. We are seeking something that is the overflow instead of what is the flow. We're seeking something that is the current and not the body itself. We're seeking something that is the byproducts of the one he intends us to be attached to, built up in, and completely surrounded by. We are called the branches in his vineyard. Someone's getting delivered. I that bad attitude. It's awesome. It's an invitation, friends, to abide in him in such a way, to such a degree, to such a place that he actually begins to produce fruit in our lives. Now, maybe to you, this isn't a new revelation, but, but I think in the church and the world today, what we need to understand is is that any invitation from Jesus we are completely unworthy of but he still chooses to use us in spite of that he still extends the invitation in spite of that I love this part he goes but you you're already clean You're already clean by the word I have given you. What does that mean? That means you've already been made worthy. You've already been set up. You've already been grafted in. I have already called your name out of the chaos. And now you are a person of light to come what? Bring order to the world. What does order in the world look like? Kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he says, if you abide in me and I in you, you can ask anything in my name and my father will be faithful to do it if you abide in me and I in you and my words abide in you you can ask anything of my father and he will be faithful to do it see when it comes to loving Jesus well it starts with abiding first it starts with abiding first You see, we talked about it last week that there's this ability that you and I have to be proximal to Jesus, but not necessarily postured towards Jesus. It's entirely possible to be around Jesus, but not postured in a way to love him or to receive from him or to give to him or take from him. To be taught by him, to be groomed by him, to be remolded by him, built up by him. It's entirely possible to be around him and never leave looking, sounding, acting like, or thinking more like him. So, proximity is a part of it. Posture is the other part of it. But a desire, abiding, isn't simply I'm going to sit in this. It's being part of this. I ask you today, beloved, are you honestly, in an honest evaluation of yourself, am I a part of what God is doing in the earth? Am I a part of what God is doing in his kingdom? Do I look like a branch that is bearing fruit, or do I look like a leech that is sucking the life out of it? Pastor Matt, that's stiff. I understand, but it's because I want God to find use with you, not just you find use with God. Hear me today, we've gotta have these conversations or else we're gonna continue to be a people who simply take but can never receive. There is a difference receiving is what he gives taking is what we make out with are you hearing me I want to receive from him in order to receive from him I've got to be abiding in him I don't just get to show up and take from him take from his presence take from his ministry take from his worship no no, no. I want to come and receive what is the difference receiving is what he gives you when you are with him taking It's what happens when you're a bystander and you come and you just pick and choose and eat a little bit off this table, a little bit off this plate, a little bit off this, a little bit of this word, a little bit of this worship, a little bit of this house, a little bit of that house, a little bit of this conference, a little bit of this place. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? I want to receive from him. But we live in a time and a place where no one's abiding long enough to receive from him. Because we'll go to this church as long as I get what I need from here, and I'll go to this place as long as I get what I need from there, and all of a sudden it's about me, 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 it's about me. And Jesus is going, "What about me? Because your church shopping and your church going and your church commitments or lack thereof, are all about you. But what about where I've called you? What about where I want you to receive? What about where I want you to serve? What about where I want my glory to fall and for it to change your life? What about where I want you to be planted so that you bring others to come and receive? What about the well that I've called you to that I need you to bring water out for those around you? What about what I want? See, Jesus makes it clear. No, 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 I am the vine. We have gotten this backwards. Jesus has become our product and not our vine. (laughs) Jesus has become our fruit and not our vine. Are you hearing me? This is alarming in this hour because this kind of church is not fit for the end times because it's not fit for a king to come back for. Because the king comes back and we just use him as a marketing scheme. (laughs) The king comes back and we just use him to get more people in the building. We just use it so that we can be next to the most beautiful thing, the next big thing, the next awesome thing, the next thing. Are you hearing me? Friends, we're, we're, we're the useful ones. We're the branches. He's the vine. And as I began to look at this, I understood this is why John just wanted to sit back against Jesus. This is why he just wanted to lay back against Jesus. This is why he wanted to have his head on his chest and then later his head on the door of heaven in Revelation. This is why John was found where he was because he had a desire not to simply produce but to abide. See, Jesus, Jesus for him wasn't about John's next great adventure. His next great platform, his next great business, his next great anything. Jesus to him was Savior. Jesus to him was cousin. Jesus to him was Lord. Jesus to him was king. Have you ever thought about the fact that John was sitting just up against the chest of Jesus? Well, shouldn't he just been running around like a madman telling everybody about where Jesus was? There's an argument for that. There's an argument for evangelism, for sure. It's a command, it's part of the fivefold ministry. But it wasn't about using Jesus, it was about abiding with Jesus. See, building doesn't beget abiding abiding begets building see this is a time and a place where we've got to understand just whose we are what we are and what that all means to his great plan because if we want to continue to use jesus to advance our mission our ideas our plans Friends, not only will it not bear fruit, but it will not turn out well for you and I because we will find ourselves not just having to be discarded, bundled up and tossed to a fire, but we will find ourselves completely falling out of love with Jesus. All of the deconstructors that I grew up with who used to be on fire for God were all people who used his name to gain notoriety, fame, and money for a particular hour at a particular place and time, and the second it no longer brought in the money, it no longer brought in the honeys, then guess what happened? Suddenly I'm church hurt. Suddenly I just don't believe anymore. And it's no, 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 you were there And you invited and you brought and you gathered and you evangelized and you did all of these things as long as it built your band and your brand and your time. But when Jesus comes and he says, You know what, I'm tired of being used. I'm ready to produce in your life, but not just be used for your life. Where are they today? They're running blogs and YouTube videos and they're going on tour and they're deconstructing and they're literally encouraging people away from Jesus. Why? Because now Jesus is useful to them again. But just as one to be torn down instead of raised up. Do you see why John thought this was so significant while he's the only author in the gospel to include this message by Jesus why John 15 is so significant because it's a complete role reversal for the church at the time and the church in this time we friends cannot see ourselves as the vine we are the branches our heavenly father he is the one who prunes us and it's the holy spirit by which we abide in him amen And so I love this because he moves on and he says, listen, 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 listen. If you abide in me and I abide in you and my word abides in you, you can ask for anything. In my name, my father will be happy to give it to you. Do you see the trail here? There's an invitation. If you'll do this, okay, then I'll do this. And then if you keep this, my father will do this. Are you seeing the invitation? Are you seeing the math? Are you seeing how the king of kings and lord of lords works? He extends the invitation. What you and I choose to do with that in this moment will determine everything that happens afterwards. If you abide in me, okay, I have to be in him. Not just salvation, but I have to love him. I have to see him rightly. I have to spend time with him. It's not just Sunday. It's not just Wednesday. It's not just this preacher, this podcast, this worship album, this conference, this tent revival, this, that, or the other thing. It's loving him, abiding in him, staying in him, having fruit in him, and living your life in him. Friend, can I ask you today, how much of your life is lived in him? Can I ask you a follow-up to that question? How much of your life is lived outside of him? How much of authority, say, and input does Jesus, king of kings and lord of lords, actually have over you? It's interesting. He's the king of kings, so he's the king above all other kings. He's the lord of lords, so he's the lord over every other lord. And both of those definitions would lead me to believe that he determines the export and the import of every single kingdom, area, land, and person and place of which is underneath his authorship. And I wonder today, does he control the export and import in my life? Does he control the export and import in every area of my life? Does he control the export of my mouth and the input of my mind? Does he control the export of my heart and the input of my eyes? Does he control what I input before my eyes and I export out of my mouth? What does he have say over? It may be even greater, what does he not have say over? You see, these are massive questions that we need to begin to ask ourselves because friends, I'm telling you, there is greater fruit on the other side of you actually abiding. You see, we can take this and we can go, man, that was a strong word. That was a rebuke. Man, where was, why wasn't he funny today? Whatever. Like, why wasn't it jovial and uplifting? And I'm like, no, no, no. Do you not understand? I'm not just trying to preserve your soul here. I'm trying to get you to produce fruit worthy of our king. Yeah. Like, that's the big picture. We get so narrowed in on, I felt like that was offensive, That kind of hurt my feelings. He doesn't know what my life looks like. No, but the vine knows what your life looks like. The vine dresser certainly knows what your life looks like. And this moment can either be a bundling up and a throwing out for you or it could be a pruning and a stripping back for you to produce greater fruit. Are you hearing me? We have to have these conversations. We have to talk about these things because he is either worthy or he isn't. And it's not because he isn't worthy. I'm talking about whether he is worthy for you and worthy for me. Because he is most certainly worthy whether you or I deem him so much. And so I abide in him and then what? Then he abides in me. So I come into him and he, he begins to fill me even more, even greater. And all of a sudden, I'm a part of this relationship. And in this relationship, guess what he begins to do? He begins to speak to me. And what is he speaking? His word and all of a sudden, his word begins to dwell on the inside of me. And all of a sudden, when I go to the Father, I'm not just coming. Redheaded stepchild requests, stranger requests, people who sit there and go, well, he's God, couldn't he just, or why doesn't he just, and like all these things. All of a sudden, we look at him as an outsider. No, 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 I come to him because I have the Son on the inside of me. I have the Son's words on the inside of me. I know how a son should see the father because he's on the inside of me because I've been adopted in. And now for you and I, we are sons, we are daughters and now we can speak to him as such. And so all of a sudden you and I, we begin to know and realize just what moves his heart, what motivates him, what causes him to draw near and what causes him to resist us. What kind of pride brings in that he begins to resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. All of a sudden, we begin to understand our father because we can now see him as a son. This is massive. John cares about theology because you've got to be able to know him. You've got to be able to know him. So many of us have not been trusted with the promises of God because we have not been found trusted with the presence of God. Are you hearing me? So many of us have not been trusted with the promises of God because we have not been found trusted with the presence of God. Well, I received this word. I was told I was going to go here. I was going to do this. I was going to get this job. I was going to have the wife. I was going to have the husband. I was going to have the 2.5 kids. I was going to have these things. God said He was going to move. Yeah, he was gonna move on the other side of your abiding. He wants you to move in and then he's gonna move through. (laughs) But he's still waiting on the move in. Right now, he doesn't have sole occupancy of your life. Right now, you're still a rental to him. (laughs) Right now, you still get rented on Sundays because you come to church for a couple hours. Right now you're still rented on Wednesdays because you come to church for a couple hours. Right now you're still rented because you read 1.5 devotional verses from the YouVersion Bible lab, but you haven't spent any time with him. <laughs> well, I got my scripture reading in the day. How much of Scripture read you? Well, some verses are better than no verses. I mean, I think we can argue that, but is that real again, is that the table? <laughs> is that the measurement? Well some Jesus is better than no Jesus. Wait, is that the invitation? Cuz I thought I just read I could have all of him. But the exchange for all of him is all of me. The exchange for all of him is all of me. The exchange for all he wants to do in my life is an exchange for all I want him to do in my life. <laughs> Are you beginning to see how massive this is for you and I? And how symptomatic this has been in the church for so long. I know we've produced a lot of great life coaches, but I'm wondering how many great lives we've produced. Am I preaching to anybody? I know we've amassed a lot of great followers in number, but how many faithful followers have we produced? And on top of that, I would say, how faithful of a follower have we been? (laughs) He's not concerned with your Instagram. He's not concerned with your Facebook. He's not concerned with your followers. He's concerned with you following. See friends, this, this is that moment where we begin to realize when we abide in the fire, everything else gets burned away. When we abide in the vine, Nothing else besides the concerns, wants, and desires of the vine matter. He says, if my words abide in you. Well, what are his words? Well, he certainly did a great job putting together across many different continents and many different decades and many hundreds of years. (laughs) Through many broken people and somehow it lives all in perfect harmony together by what? The will and sovereignty of God. And then from there we have the rhema logos rhema when the spirit of god speaks through another brother or sister and then we take that and what we test it so paul says that's what timothy says that's what john says we test the spirits we test the spirit's word against what the written word of god and against two or mouth to, it comes out of the mouth of two or more witnesses right we understand this but we live in a time and a place where we just platform people who literally lead masses with no oversight. I'm so grateful for Pastor Lee Cummings and Pastor Sonny Mazar that they watch my messages, they check my heart, they check check in on me, they check my marriage, and they make sure this home is producing good fruit. That takeover is abiding. That takeover wouldn't exist to simply take over but take over to exist to abide so that Jesus could take over. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Worship team, you can make your way up here. See, listen. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you. And my word abides in you. You can ask my father for anything, anything. And he will do it. I love that Jesus goes through the lengths in this portion of scripture to really just get across to you and I, how substantial and singularly focused the church is called to be. What I find interesting is he never says, if you build great things for me, I will abide in you. But we know he's a God of builders, <laughs> right? He's Christ alone, the what? The cornerstone, he is the chief cornerstone, he is what we build upon. So we know he's in the building, But we know he's what? Into building on himself. He's not interested in building upon you. He's interested in building upon himself. And then from there, he's going to use us as living stones to build a greater message and a greater kingdom and put something great in the earth of which we've never seen. His edifice, his masterpiece. That's what he's building. But it's not about whether there's a great youth ministry for your kid. It's not about whether there's a great singles ministry. It's not about whether there's a great marriage ministry. It's not about whether there's great counselors. It's not about what the church can do for you, and I know it's silly, but it's about how he can use you in his church. Would you stand? See, there's a point where we are his prized possessions. And as his prized possessions, we've gotten a little twisted. We've become the possessive instead of the receptive. Where everything in church is about me. And very little is about him. We write songs that are about us. We preach messages that are about us. We cast vision that is about us. We give direction for us. Everything suddenly revolves around us. And we wonder why we don't leave with a greater fear and awe and reverence of the Lord. We leave and we wonder why we don't have conviction. We we leave and we wonder why it's so easy to continue on sinning. We leave and we realize, why, man, it's still so easy to watch porn. It's still so easy to live my life in a silo. It's still so easy to live outside of community. I can just come to this place and they'll tell me how great I am and they'll let me sing about how great I am and they'll tell me all the great things I'm going to do and I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go do great things for myself. And then because no one's around because I don't do life with anybody, I have to go tell everybody about the great things that I'm doing for myself. Are you seeing, are you seeing the septic cyclical nature that we've allowed to be made in the church. The church isn't for networking. The church is about serving each other. He says literally, if you follow my commandments, that's how I know you'll love me. And what are Jesus's commandments? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, right? And then love your brother as you love yourself. The fact that there's an, even an invitation that says, love me, should stop us in our tracks and realize, am I loving him? And if I'm loving him, Am I loving him the way that he says, I receive love? Because I think a lot of Christians, we just live aimlessly, right? And so we love God aimlessly. We don't actually think. We don't actually research. We don't actually have some time of being in his presence and getting to know him. So we just throw anything at him and think he's receiving it as love. But God, I'm going to this worship night. And God, I'm going to this church. And God, I'm going to this thing. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but, but what about where I called you? What about what I've commanded you? What about what I've placed on your life? But I'm going here and I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah, that's not how I receive love. I receive love by abiding, by being in me and being used by me. And I'm telling you friends, as someone whose goal in life was not to be a pastor and as sure as heck wasn't to be a church planner and as sure as heck wasn't to be a pastor and church planner in West Michigan, Man, abiding that vine has produced a far sweeter fruit than I could have ever imagined. And I have some of the most beautiful, amazing people in my life who love me beyond my own stupidity, beyond my actions or my inactions, beyond my my ability to overlook them in order to see a greater horizon. Like they, they love me in spite of myself and for the glory of God. And I get to pastor some of the most amazing people that I've ever met and I never thought I would. But suddenly something bursts in the vine for the branch that's greater than me drawing for Marvel Comics, <laughs> which is what I was gonna do at 16, by the way, when I met Jesus. That was the game plan. What was I was gonna do, I was gonna go to New York and I was gonna hold Stanley at gunpoint until he looked at my cartoons, okay? That's what I was going to do. And then I met Jesus. And then I had some years of playing music while knowing Jesus and pursuing ministry where he sat me down and he literally said, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm filling rooms and I'm on stages for you. I got kids singing songs for you. Literally tells me, that ain't for me, that's for you. That song isn't about me, that's about a girl. You can replace the name Jesus with Kate, with Tessa, with Kelsey, or whoever you're obsessed with this week, Matt. It's about them. It's about you. And not none of this was built for me. Get your butt back in class. That's what happens when you abide. That's what happens when you're committed to bearing fruit. And the best part about that whole little story is I was chief failure in it. It's not even about me. <laughs> it's about his ability to be the vine dresser, to come in and see what we're doing with the vine for ourselves. And if we're willing, he'll prune it. And then we'll produce even greater fruit on the other side of that pruning. Amen? So here's what we're going to do we're going to sing a song. I believe it's All Hail King Jesus. It is all hail King Jesus. Last week, I was going into it and then they were like, psych. I was like, I love it. Holy Spirit, change the plans. But we're gonna sing all hail King Jesus. And as we do, I wanna invite you into this invitation. I wanna invite you to examine your life as a branch. What is the fruit you're producing or not producing? What is the fruit you wish to produce but haven't been? What is it that you love about God and what is it that you still have yet to find out that you love about God? What is it you believe he's worthy of and what is it you kind of believe he's unworthy of? Bring it to the table. Don't put it up for discussion, put it up for surrender. Don't put it up for discussion or contemplation. Put it up for submission. And as we sing, All Hail King Jesus, I want every part of us to begin to bend to His whim. To begin to flow in His direction. And to ask Him, Lord, if there's an area in my life that I'm not yet abiding in, show me. Show me what true abiding looks like. Show me what it looks like to be a branch who lives in response to the vine being pruned by the vine dresser, filled with the Spirit. So I'm going to pray. The altars are open. And we're going to sing. And we're going to ask the vine dresser to move in this room. And if you're open to the pruning, There's going to be a greater fruit that comes from this day in October, 2023 than you've ever even imagined. There's a greater call. It's called giving Jesus your all. There's a greater life. It's called Jesus. There's a greater way. It's called Jesus. There's a greater truth. It's called Jesus. And right now, everything can shift on a dime, but it won't shift on a dime unless you are committed to the change, committed to the pruning, committed to the abiding. See, the reason he tells you about the greater fruit is to give you vision for what's gonna come on the other side of pruning. Pruning isn't fun. Giving up loves isn't fun. Tearing down old affections is not fun. But when you can see the fruit and you have a vision that you're about to see something you've never seen, taste something you've never tasted, experience Him in a way you've never experienced Him yet, you begin to see Him rightly as the vine and you realize it is the greatest opportunity of my life to lay it all down and be a part of Him. That fruit cannot be topped, cannot be replaced cannot be duplicated or counterfeit comes from the vine and the vine alone by the careful pruning of our vine dresser amen I'm going to pray feel free to move about the cabin as you wish and we're going to ask the Lord to move right now Father vine dresser Lord you said there was mixture in the room would you point it out God Would you highlight it here and now? Would we find ourselves at your altar? Would we find ourselves on our knees? Would we find ourselves, Lord, literally less of us today, God? Less of us today, God. We want to be branches, Lord, that produce a fruit that is lasting. That is not tart, that is not small in size, that is not insignificant, that now will not fall away and decay and fade with time. But a fruit that is eternal, a fruit that has kingdom attached, a fruit, God, that goes on for generations, God. A fruit that will be tasted now so sweet that will ignite a region unto the king, but will leave lasting seeds for a greater harvest in the days to come. Father, right now I ask, come. Come, vine dresser, come. We present ourselves ready. We present ourselves willing. We present ourselves, Lord, right now. We say, come. Prune away every other lover, every other affection, every other romance, every other great idea, every other agenda. Every other notion of success. Every other thought process. Every other ministry. Every way that we've used you to advance our lives instead of being advanced by you. Instead of being used to advance your kingdom. Lord, show us. The beauty of the one thing that makes giving up everything worth it that makes making the decision should anything else come that is attractive or alluring outside of the one thing it's easy to say no to because we've said yes to you show us the beauty of the one who's worth a thousand no's for the one yes show us this one thing show us this vine Show us how it's dressed. Show us how it sits. Show us the trellis it sits upon. Show us the throne room. Show us the fruit that it can produce, God. Show us how beautiful divine Jesus is. Lord, your word says, if you keep my commandments, this is how you love me. Lord, reveal in these next few moments as we begin to sing what commandments of yours, God. Whether in your word or personal convictions that you've given us, personal callings that you've placed upon our lives, Lord, show us. Show us how we have misplaced your love by how we have mishandled your commandments, your convictions, and your callings upon our lives. Lord, show us Show us how to love you rightly. Show us how to love you properly. Show us how to love you in a way, God, that isn't aimless and we just hope to hit the mark, but show us how to love you in a way that you receive. Lord, we don't want to be thoughtless children. We don't want to be selfish lovers. We don't want to be a people, God, who will just give you the Leftovers of anything but we want to give you the right things God the first things God the best things God Father as we begin to sing all hail King Jesus I pray right now that all would hail King Jesus all within me all within us not just all the people but all that makes up all the people that every fiber of my being would begin to sing all hail king jesus that my heart would beat for all hail king jesus that my eyes would lift for all hail King Jesus, that my thoughts would be made right by all hail King Jesus, that my heart would be mended by all hail King Jesus, that my soul and the wounds on it, God, would begin to be mended and we would hail all King Jesus. Lord, right now, we exchange all of us for all of you all that we are for all that you are all that i am for all that you are show us how to love you rightly show us how to love you greatly show us the church that so loved god that she gave of her only begotten life to love him rightly in jesus mighty name